What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Talking Chop Podcast. This is episode 20. My name is Brad Roll. I'm the host of this podcast on a regular basis now. And joining me today is the great Eric Cole. What's going on, Eric? What's happening, man? I'm trying to get my frequent flyers card at this thing. Yeah, we've had you quite a bit, and you're doing, you, you just do so well that I have to keep bringing you back. That's kind of what I happens. I appreciate it, man. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's also... I have a blast. Yeah, and... You know, it's fun to have you, and uh, there's a, a big theme uh, to this podcast that will probably come come up in the in the coming uh, minutes. Is that and that is the international signing period, of which I am not an expert, and you are more of an expert on it than I am. Um, but before we get to Kevin Maton and all of the fun that will be happening there, there is there is some news to catch up with, as we normally do here at the top. And uh, as we speak, actually, the Braves are trailing four nothing in the ninth inning of the Fort Bragg game. Uh, against the Marlins, um, I don't want to say that this game is over here. Here as we, as we speak in the ninth inning, it's unlikely the Braves win this game, so I'll almost treat it like a loss. But uh, it's been a lot of fun to watch, even with the Braves uh, not scoring any runs tonight. Have you been Have you been locked into this one? Uh, I've I've really enjoyed it the whole the whole day when they're you know just like doing tours of the facilities and you know spending time with the service men and women. It was it, it was just really cool to kind of see it and to like kind of see the kind of realize like this is like the first time a baseball game has been played like at a non-baseball stadium uh which is and which is remarkable and they did a great job putting the field together uh the helicopter flyover was awesome i wanted us to do that at like every baseball game now oh it really was uh, that thing was breathtaking on tv i can't imagine being there and being able to just watch it go over you but yeah it was even awesome even on tv it was great yeah and it's kind of like it was it's a very pure sort of thing right like they have like the steel bleachers and you know everyone's just like sitting there watching the game there's like it's something. It's kind of nice, just like not having all the extra stuff. It's just kind of like baseball is being played. You know, it just so happens that it's by major leaguers. Um, not a big fan of the ball hawker guy uh, manages to sneak his way in and get his hand on the ball. But oh yeah, I, w- he, I wasn't going to bring it up since you did. Um, not not great. Okay, have you heard how he got his ticket? No, I'd like to hear this though. It's great. Set this up. He, set, he, set, set this up for us so that people don't know what, what's going on. Okay, so, so um, the guy who caught the A Rod's um, his his uh, his big home run mile, milestone ball, he it, has written a book about how to get catch home run balls, get balls in batting practice. He just comes across as a super super scummy guy, and and it's because he is. So he created <laughs> he created a twi- a Tinder account with the express purpose. Of trying to get a ticket to this game, he said, "Hey, I know this is a nerdy thing to do, but I'm trying to get tickets to the Fort Bragg game, and I'm gonna see if I can do it over Tinder. Can we make this happen?" And someone gave him a ticket. That's about as rough as it gets. I'll say. Yeah, that. it's pretty bad, pretty bad. And he managed to get his hand on a ball, and you know, he 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 has his following on Twitter, and like you know, there's people there's, and it's not just him that does this ball hawking, trying to get as many balls as humanly possible thing. Uh, he, there's a whole you know, that's a whole culture, but he, he is p- in particular really kind of scummy about it. And just, just to try to sneak into this game where it's supposed to be for servicemen and women and to manage to get his hands on a ticket, uh, it, it didn't feel great, but that, that is a very minor thing. Overall, the, the whole thing's been really positive. All the players seem to be like they're super supportive and in. Um, the, you know, the commissioners talked about, you know, like we want to try to bring baseball to places that doesn't really get to see major league baseball. Um, so maybe that can be at other military bases, uh, you know, and then just leave the facilities for, you know, the servicemen and women to use. And it just, uh, it's just been great. I mean, the, obviously the result for Braves fans, it doesn't seem to like it's going to be going the Braves way today, but it's just a really 
just a really cool sort of experience to see. Yeah, the result was secondary uh, for sure. And just uh, as a fan or as somebody who covers the team, one of the teams that's going on, we've had the uh, up close and personal look. It's had this, you know, something to look forward to really for the whole season, knowing this game was coming. Uh, I know a couple of guys who were there covering it and they're uh, kind of uh, had a chance to enjoy it as well. So uh, that's definitely a highlight tonight, even though the Braves are probably going to lose this game. But uh, there are other news to get to. Um, I guess the biggest news, if you want to call it that from this week, is the Bud Norris trade. Uh, Bud Norris is no longer a member of the Atlanta Braves. He's now a member of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, he and he and uh, outfielder Dion Toscano, who uh, I famously say is a fictional character, uh, <laughs> have been sent to the Dodgers in exchange for two uh, young um, prospect pitchers, um, Philip Pfeiffer and Caleb Dirks. Um, Dirks is a guy who we've already seen around the uh, yep. organization, but Eric, tell us a little bit about these guys and what kind of return the Braves are getting here. Um, first and foremost, and I kind of got into this with a little bit of, a little bit with people to get any return for Bud Norris after the first month of the season happened. Fans should be ecstatic. Absolutely. <laughs> I, 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 I agree already with this take. So keep, yeah, keep it coming. Um, you know, Norris, I mean, and his first start for the Dodgers, he did very, very well. And the thing is we're trading half a year of a guy who it would, I would be shocked if the Braves were going to assign him to an extension anyway. Because if he was good, he was going to make, try to make more money than the Braves were willing to pay him. And if he was bad, the Braves don't want him. So it's just kind of like we're getting rid of basically half a season of this guy who we don't honestly know which version he's going to get in the second half, either the first month of the season, Bud Norris, or the more recent one where he's been throwing a lot of cutters. And that has different problems where you know a guy who hasn't normally thrown a bunch of cutters all of a sudden is doing so. And that's not a pitch that's known for really being particularly nice on a pitcher's arm. Um, but we got Philip Pfeiffer, who a former third rounder, uh, has is kind of is a former Vandy guy. He did have some character stuff um, with his senior year, which is the only reason why he went in the third round. Uh, he's gonna be he's a relief prospect, uh, kind of like a location late reliever guy. Kind of just get is really good about generating ground balls. Uh, has really good command, but is ultimately not going to be a starter type, but he could be a really good reliever. Uh, and Caleb Dirks is probably the best, the better of the two. We only traded him. We traded him to the Dodgers to get uh, international slot money last year so that we could sign Christian Pache and Darian Cruz and get all these guys without going over, which led us to get you know this King's Ransom of players, which we'll talk about later. But um, And the Braves liked him so much, he was actually really good for Rome that year. Sent him over to the Dodgers. He was good again, and the Braves snatched him back up. And I mean, he's a guy who, you know, has a good fastball, um, has a good secondary pitch. He's not going to, like I said, these this are the reliever prospects. But Caleb, in particular, uh, he's probably like fringe top 25, top 30 right now. Uh, and he could actually make the big leagues relatively quickly. So, you know, two thumbs up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the, Bud Norris is the absolute perfect uh, case of a guy the Braves should be trading for anything yep. this season this year. Uh, not competing for anything in 2016. Norris was not, not under control for next year. Uh, he was awful, as you mentioned, early in the season and kind of came back in a nice way. And, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a win for the Braves to get something out of him uh, here. The, but, the, you know. The, the Braves would not have been able to give him away a month ago. Oh, that's the thing. I mean, getting any, <laughs> getting any value, as you said before, like, and, you know, neither one of these guys, you know, Dirks and Pfeiffer are not like, uber prospects. But if either of these guys ever reach the major leagues, like, great. That's yep. just surplus value the Braves were getting from a guy who's, who was not going to be back. Yep. Um, so this is a win for sure. And even, you know, the Toscano, uh, the Braves uh, saved some money here on a, on a failed project. Uh, he's 27 years old. 
Um, all of my jokes aside about him not being a, a real life person, uh, he did finally arrive in the States and has been around, but you know, not a particularly impressive uh, resume right now in terms of what he's done since, since arriving from Cuba. And you know, he's 27. The Braves owed him a few million dollars now that they don't have to pay. Yep, and that's money off the books. That's that's an extra part of the deal. And you know, then we don't have to. And more importantly, all of us don't have to get you know constant questions about what's going on with Toscano. When's he going to be in the majors? Just because he was a Cuban signee, um, he was you know he was. We paid him a little bit of money, and you know we found out that he probably wasn't going to be a part of the future. So get that money off the books and move on. Yeah, it was just a weird weird stint altogether because it took him so long to come over with all the visa issues. Yeah, the, with the visa stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I think people were expecting more of him when he finally arrived as a player. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of unfortunate the way that went down. But you know it's off the books now, as you said. Yeah, it's um, really not his fault. I mean, he was just kind of, he was basically like a uh, basically like an IFA signing that didn't work out. You know, it's it's just but it just got built up so much, and so you know, hope, hope I, I wish nothing but the best for him. No, get get that money. Uh, that's all. Yeah. That's all I'll say. Toscano got 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 paid. You know, that's that's life changing money. And congratulations to him. Yep. Uh, I still hope he. I hope I hope he makes it just because of the fact that you know you root for those guys. Um, yeah. But at the same time, and it would uh, prove that he would exist. Yes. If I ever actually see him yep. in person, you will, you will ha- for Christmas, Brad. If he makes the if he makes the majors, I'm getting you a jersey. <laughs> so do, do, does not do not care where he's playing. Uh, I'm in for that. Well, I'll, I'll hold you to that if it ever happens. All um, right. Done. Other, uh, other, otherwise, in the news this week, uh, the Braves uh, signed old pal Omar Infante to a uh, minor league contract. Infante is now 34 years old. Um, he was last seen with the Royals this year. Uh, he's, he was pretty uh, horrific last year uh, with a negative .9 war for the season. Yes, you heard that right, negative. And this year he was uh, almost equally bad um, with a three twenty one slugging. And 149 plate appearances that caused him to be uh, um, sent, sent away by the by the Royals, and now he is a member of the Atlanta Braves organization. Uh, this is a name people are, people are familiar though, uh, familiar with though. Is you know what can the Braves expect to get? Anything, can they get anything out of Infante? Um, will we see him in the majors at any point? What do you think about this one? I mean, I I wouldn't expect another you know All Star season from him, whether it be the you know the sham one that they got and he got from the Royals or the you know the one where it was he was a Manders pick when he was with the Braves. He's you know it it costs nothing to try and see if he has anything left, but he just doesn't. He's not anywhere close to the same player. You know he's not. He used to be fast. He's not fast anymore. He used to be able to hit. He can't really hit anymore. Uh, the thing he has going for him is that he has a lot of utility. But honestly, I mean Jace Peterson at this point, his his bat's playing enough where that's kind of the guy you want doing that so you know you just sign him to a minor league deal if he has anything left you know he's a guy that you can stash at triple a and when you need someone like you know someone gets dinged up at short second wherever you can slide him right in but he don't i, I don't expect much from him so yeah he's he's another body to have around like you mentioned yeah. peterson that's like um infante's prime was that, that, kind of what you would hope what the ceiling is for peterson yep yep that's exactly it he we hope he's omar infante and you know, and he's been doing much better since he's been called back. I don't know how, but you know. Oh, he has been hitting, yeah, surprisingly, yeah. Jace Peterson, who we've kind of buried. Been, yep, and he's been, yeah, he's been hitting, and it's kind of a weird thing because he wasn't a hit in a Gwinnett either when he got oh, sent down. No, Something's it was, it was hap- some, some, something is happening to these players when they come back up from Gwinnett. It's like bizarre. But they, uh, they catch that per diem money, is what it is. They're, they're, getting, they're getting paid like major leaguers again. Well, I mean, like Adonis Garcia and Eric Ibar looking like gold glovers out there the last week and two, week or two since they've been back, and I'm just like, I don't even understand what's happening right now. 
Yeah, speaking of Adonis Garcia, let's uh, we we have, we have a mailbag question about him, so let's get to that now. It's from uh, at M Blackburn eighty uh, seven. Any chance, and he says, any chance Adonis could be traded to a contender as a bench bat, or if or if not, is he in the future plans for Atlanta? What do you think about Adonis Garcia, knowing that he's a little bit older than people think he is? Yeah, I can see him being traded. Um, you know, it's he has value. Uh, he can he he has been a reasonable with the bat, and you know. His he was atrocious on defense, uh, defensively anyway for you know the first couple months of the season, but he's looked a lot better. So I can see a team that like just needs like you know a a bench bat or you know is in dire straits. Uh, I would not expect the return to be much for him, uh, but you know I could I could see him being traded, someone trading for him. But I it's not really high on the list of players that I think would go because I don't think he, the demand is super high for him. Um. And I, I don't really see him in the Braves' future. I mean, Rio Ruiz is starting to hit again in in AAA, and you know, the, the, sooner or later they're going to find someone that can play left field better than Adonis Garcia, which is you know not exactly a high bar. So I don't I don't see him in the long term plans. Uh, at, I, I would expect to see him maybe on the roster for like one more season, and then after that, I don't think he's going to be on the roster for longer than that. Yeah, I think you're actually being rather kind. I think. People, I think if you polled Braves fans, they probably would have no clue that Garcia is already 31 years old. Oh, agreed. Uh, they're treating they're, uh, a lot of people are treating Garcia as if he's a prospect that's coming up out of the you know out of the minor league ranks and kind of projecting a bit on what he could be down the line. No. This is yeah, as good no, as he's, he's ever going to be, and he's yeah. not very good. Um, you know, he had a, he had a nice flash in the pen last year in the second half, and I think he ended up posting a, a WRC plus over 100, and that kind of got people excited. But as you mentioned, he's an awful defender at third base. Uh, he could be semi-passable left field, maybe if we if he played there more often. But it's one of those things where his bat's not good enough um, to play uh, to force him in the lineup in that way. So, right. um, you know, he's under control. So the Braves could try to, you know, plug him in the lineup if if, if they absolutely need somebody. If Ruiz is not ready, or if they're not able to find uh, a guy who can play that role uh, next year. But if, if 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 just like kind of like Norris, if they can get anything in return for Garcia, I would go ahead and do that. I'm not sure that they can. He would probably it would help them out a lot if he went on a hot streak here in the next couple of weeks at the plate. Uh, agreed, agreed. It would definitely be helpful. Just so you know, just so they can be try to you know try to sell them a little bit on the open market. But uh, guys who can't play defense are uh, tough to trade with unless they're real real uh, top end hitters, and he's not he's not quite that. No, um, not at all. In other in other news regarding guys who we're more excited about. Um, it looks like Ozzy Albies and uh, Dansby Swanson are be playing together for a little while. Uh, yep. Albies was uh, was sent down from uh, Gwinnett AAA to Double A Mississippi. Um, he had struggled a bit at the plate there in Gwinnett, but uh, the Braves are building this as if they want the two to play together, and that's kind of been the message with this move. Um, are you in favor of sending Albies down and kind of getting these guys a little bit of time together in the middle of the field? No, but I'm I'm kind of like I don't know if I really care. Um, his Ozzy's numbers were kind of skewed by like a like a truly bad like first week and a half where he like literally just didn't hit at all, um, and you know when you're kind of getting to these like kind of small quarter season sample sample sizes a, a slump like that uh, makes it look a lot worse. He was actually looking a lot better. Uh, he wasn't like tearing it up like he was at the beginning of the year, but he was like he he didn't seem overpowered you know at at Triple A or anything like that. Um, I don't think it changes the timeline for him though. I think that the Braves are kind of one of these teams that you know kind of believe in these, you know, like, we want to get these guys used to playing with each other. And th- I think there's some merit to that, not a lot. I mean, these are these are both guys that know how to play baseball, and, you know, you could get, a lot of this chemistry stuff could just be worked out in spring training if they really felt like they needed to. But it, 
if they really want to like kind of play the narrative this way of we want to see these guys playing together, I think it means it's more likely we'll see both of them this year. Uh, because if they're not going to wait until spring training to like, you know, let them play together and get used to playing with each other, and they want to do it now, um, it makes me think that maybe they want that to happen so that way, once they once they find out a way to Jason Ibar and then figure out what they're going to do with Jace, they can bring both those guys up, um, and that would generate a lot of excitement for Braves fans, of course. Um, and I don't think that Swanson was ready to make the jump to AAA. Um, he was str- at the at the point where this happened. He was like kind of just coming out of a like a pretty lengthy slump. He was just having just kind of like a, there, a lot of things happened. Like you know the uh, one of the pitchers at Vandy like very suddenly died. He went to a funeral and he was never really he wasn't really the same for a little while after that, which is a perfectly reasonable thing because this is a you know a program that's very close. And but once Albies got down there, man, like they're both they're both raking again. So I don't think it changes the timeline for either one of them. Um, and I don't think that. It was a knock on Albies uh, beyond him moving to second base because I do think they kind of decided that maybe his arm uh, was strong enough for such short, but maybe it wasn't as accurate as it needed to be to be the shortstop between those two guys. Um, so uh, they kind of want to just you know play it out this way and hopefully bring both of them up soon. Or yeah, soon. I'm all right with it just for the reasons that you said as well. Uh, you know, it doesn't look great for Albies to go back down just from a perception perspective because because of, of the numbers and the way that you know. His numbers were not great uh, in the overall sense, but at the same yeah, time, yeah, it's worth noting that both Garrett and Garov hated it. Um, but I think the I mean I can kind of respect the idea of uh, they would rather send Albies down and him be great, whereas bringing Dansby up and then maybe have him struggle. Uh, like there's a perception thing, and ultimately it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. I, I agree with that. And you know the Braves have shown a willingness to to move guys straight from Double A up. Yep. Uh, to the majors, uh, we just saw it with Mauricio Cabrera, who's throwing Ugh. 107 miles an hour every night. Right. Um, and you know, for better or worse, I, I think that you know we can we can argue about oh. that when it comes. Oh. Well, uh, I want to talk about him really quick, actually. Oh, let's do that. Yeah, go uh, ahead and dive in on Mauricio. Okay, let's imagine see. you're I don't know, random opposing batter, and you have read the scouting report on Mauricio Cabrera, who was just called up, who can throw 107 and can't throw straight, and your manager says, "Okay, I need you to square up and sack bunt." That terrifies me. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> hard like, hard no, pass. No. Yeah, and that happened in that first game. And that guy laid down a successful sack bunt. I don't know who made that call, but, you know, hats off to that guy for actually making that happen because that I would be terrified. Never I mean, bunt. Never yeah. bunt, by the way. Ever. Huh? Oh, yeah, no, never bunt. Never no. bunt. Unless you're a pitcher, uh, don't ever bunt. Ever. Yep, and oh, unless – now – now, Ivan did some work on this. If you're trying to bunt to ma- hit a single, it's okay. Sack bunting is bad. And I would highly recommend uh, on the site to search on Talking Chop for Ivan's work on bunts. Uh, it's actually really, really cool. It is very good. I enjoyed Ivan's thing on bunts. So, yeah, go, <laughs> go search for that. Uh, pause the podcast and go find that from Ivan because Ivan's the man. Yep, he's definitely the man. Um, but, yeah, the, I think the big takeaway with Albies and Swanson is that this doesn't really change anything this year. They could both be up by the end of the year, or they could not be. You know, the Braves might yep. be refusing to do it. I mean, we'll see how that is. Uh, they're not going to tell anybody now what they're going to do in September, especially. Um, they might call them both up at AAA soon. I mean, I just I don't, I don't read much into it because it's only been for such a short period of time. 
Absolutely, and the, and the possibilities. This doesn't close the door on, any, on anything. They can nope. both be up, or they both could not be by the end of the year. They might, you know, they might be just trying to have them get a little bit of seasoning now, so they can start them both next year. It's all there's all of these uh, possibilities, and none of them uh, are affected greatly by uh, Albies going down Double A. So I'm okay with it. Then that's really the only uh, the only knock on it is that we haven't seen Albies succeed at Triple A in a way that people wanted wanted him to. Do, but at the same time, it's not that big of a sample size, and there there were highs and lows there also. Yep. Um, all right. Now, the, now for the main course, as we move away from the news into, I guess this is news as well. But the international signing period uh, came, and I guess it's, it didn't, I, I almost said came and went. It's not over necessarily, but all the big no. guys are off the board. Uh, the Braves made a huge splash in terms of uh, adding a ton of talent on July second, and I know our team was all over it, uh, led by you and uh, Garrett and all those guys. So. Uh, Kevin Kevin Maton is the big the big name, and that's the that's the name that I am the most versed in. Uh, this is a 16 year old switch hitter um, from Venezuela that's been billed as the top prospect from that country since Miguel Cabrera. Uh, the Braves gave him 4.25 million dollars to sign, which is an astronomical number for someone yep. who is 16 years old. Uh, what do we think about uh, about his uh, prospects moving forward? How excited should we be about him uh, landing with the franchise and? Uh, Please pour a little bit of cold water on the people that think he's going to be uh, an 18-year-old in the major leagues. Well, okay. To that specific point, John Capolella is not helping because he, when he's talking about Maton, he's like, no, I start thinking about guys like Andrew Jones who made their debuts at 18. Now, I'm not saying that's going to be him, but I'm like, you can't say that. <laughs> With these guys, it's not. But he fair, can listen. But, Coppy, but he did. Coppy's in he the middle did. of a. Coppy's in the middle of a season where his his major league team is not very good. So if he can just kind of plant the seed a little bit with the fan base, and say, hey, look, this guy's going to be awesome. Yeah. Turn and look at this guy. He, uh, Maton has all the potential in the world. Um, the comps you hear are like, as a hitter, his approach is like Miguel Cabrera, uh, switch hitting power hitter. We talk about Chipper Jones. I mean, those are very, very lofty comp- comps to make. Um, but he, he super, super talented. I mean, we're talking about a kid who is 16 years old. And he's like 6'2", 175, and has been getting this sort of attention since he was like 14 years old. And that's crazy to me. But he's, you know, he, super, super talented. You know, having that kind of power from both sides of the plate. And just like you look at him and he just looks like a baseball player. Looks like he's, you know... Bigger, stronger, faster than everybody. You know, you, you just—it's it, it, easy to get excited for him. But it's worth noting the guy's 16 years old. He's not going to play until next year. Um, it's going to—he'll be—he'll be in the GCL, and then we'll kind of go from there and see what he looks like. Now, if he's hitting 600 in the GCL last next year with like 30 home runs, then you know, obviously, you know, all bets are off. You know, the hype train is real. But you know, I—I I would like to temper the expectations of Maton, other than to say that he is clearly the most talented player in this draft. If he had been in the amateur draft, which was just you know just a few weeks ago, uh, most people agree he'd been a first rounder. I think he would have gotten one one. Um, and a few other folks would have felt the same way. Which feel is, the same way. That's lo- I mean, listen, this is a 16-year-old in a draft that uh, had some college kids in it, obviously, some high-end college players. The Braves took an 18-year-old with, at the, with a number three pick, but there were high-end college bats going, going off the board early. So to say a 16-year-old was going uh, to be 1-1, in your opinion, is pretty high praise. Yeah, I mean, just super, super talented, you know, and... It's funny, like the like the most tempered scouts say, like he should be really good. 
You know what I mean? The ones that really are, some of them are like, this is like a once in a generation player, you know, everyone should be trying to sign him. And the Braves got a little bit lucky because the Nationals tried to swoop in at the very last minute and get him. He had a $7 million offer on the table from the Nationals. Which is insanity. Yeah, because, I mean, plus the tax on a 16-year-old, that's $15 million that you're handing to a 16-year-old that has done absolutely nothing against any competition of note. So what... Walk me through this, and I, and I think I'm speaking through uh, speaking for people, a lot of people from Braves country on this one. Why wouldn't he take seven million dollars from the Nationals? Okay, so this requires a little bit of understanding of the international free market, uh, free agent market as it is. It's kind of the Wild West, right? These handshake agreements and shadow deals and stuff like that. Well, we we've heard about we've heard yeah, about they're, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah, with the, for the, the Braves. The, but the middlemen involved, the handlers, the trainers. Their relationship with teams matters a lot. And Maton's handler is, I mean, I, 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 guy, names like Henderson Martinez and stuff won't mean really much to anybody, but these are guys who, have, who deal with major league teams on a regular basis, and it's not just one guy. It's like they have camps and academies and things like that. Once, uh, once an agreement is made and... You know, there's an understanding reached. To break that agreement risks a lot because, I mean, other than the team signing the, you know, signing the guy away, who's obviously very happy, the team that you stole to get got guy stolen from will never deal with you again because you can't deliver anymore, and other teams know that they can't count on you to d- deliver guys and to hold your hold guys to their word. Um, now that said, if I'm 16 year old Kevin Maton and someone says, "Here's seven million dollars," which is what almost three million dollars more than the the offer I have right now in hand, I would be hard pressed not to take that. I mean, it's yeah, it's like 60 percent more. Yeah. it's an incredible bump. Yep. Yeah, um, and the and the the Braves did lose Maton to the Nationals for a short period of time over a little bit of a bidding war. But this is coming. We're talking like January and February. And the Braves brought him right back. So I think the Braves were just going to get him regardless. I think that they were just going to snatch him up. Uh, but I think, I think that the kid's family, him, and his handler said, I mean, obviously this is big money, but in terms of who they are as people, in terms of Maton and his family, they, that's who, this is the team that they wanted to sign with. And his handlers, that's kind of, they're thinking more of a long-term relationship type thing, making sure that you know, they don't burn bridges and get that reputation of being a, t- a guy who they can't keep their word. That's kind of how that happened. Yeah, for sure, and that that all makes sense. I, I just think people, if people hear that, they're going to think, "Why in the world did he come to Atlanta?" But we've also <laughs> been hearing about Mayton for you know months yep. and months now, seeing pictures of him with a Braves hat on, et cetera, et cetera. Kind of assuming right. so, if if the Braves had lost him, it would have been a uh, a heartbreaker, been bad. <laughs> for, a heartbreaker for some of these people, uh, especially obviously for the Braves front office, but for a lot of fans who've been expecting him to be part of the organization for a couple of months now. So it'd be good to have him aboard and. Um, we did get a mailbag question. I'm gonna. I'll try to avoid pinning you down here, but it was basically. Uh, it's from at Tim Bostic 37, and his, he basically asked us what the over under is on whether we'll see Mayton before 2020 in Atlanta. I know you don't want to answer this, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna ask it to you anyway, and you can. You can talk your way around it if you want. I'll take the under. I'll take the under. I think. I, I think we'll see him. Let's see. Starts off in the GCL. Uh, I could very well see him. 2019. 
So uh, that, and, that he, he, he would be he would be 19 years old essentially in 2019. Yes, yeah, so I could I could, I could see that happening. And if he tears the cover off the ball, uh, I don't think the Braves would hesitate at all to bring him up in 2018. Lord of mercy. But I don't think that's going to happen. 2019. I think he's I think he's going to be a very good baseball player. I think that he kind of gets a year in rookie ball, and depending on how that goes, whether or not he makes that jump to Rome, not that doesn't happen very often, but it could. Uh, and then he plays a season in Rome, and then that age 19 season where you kind of like that, you can start him off a double A type, the the Aussie Albies type window. I could see that happen. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're going to start hearing um, Rafael for call comps and Andrew Jones comps just from the Braves' perspective of guys who came up super fast like that. If he's if he's yep. killing the ball in the minors, you're going to start hearing that sooner rather than later. So that that's going to be fun to watch him come up. I think it's just oh um, wow, especially uh, just because the you know the Braves don't have uh, have famously. Uh, sort of ignored um, the high-end uh, position player talent in the draft in recent years. So this is one of the reasons why uh, I just yep. they, they can spend this kind of money on a guy like Maton. So uh, he'll he I've, you know is he immediately the the, the the top position player prospect aside from maybe Swanson and Albies, or is he even higher than one of those guys or both? Where, where, do you, where would you have him? We've, so we, 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 we've, we've talked a little bit about it. I mean, I don't want to put him above Swanson and Albies because both these guys have played against position players. Um, we played against professional players before. Uh, we're kind of all in the same boat. Around five or six is kind of where we have him right Which now. Which is insane. He's 16 in a great system. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and, and, and the first time we post this, and the first time we actually put him on a list and he's not number one, the first ten comments are going to be, how, I mean, Maton's clearly the best player in the system. So, but yes. Um, and that's, but at the same time, like, for the midseason prospect list, for example, we're not putting any of the international guys on there. Because we don't, I mean... What if there's visa issues? What if there's so many things that can happen between now and then? It just doesn't make any sense to do. And we haven't even seen them. Uh, we haven't even gotten reports from instructionals or anything like that. So it's not. Don't expect to see them on the midseason list, offseason list. I kind of expect around five or six, but we'll kind of see what happens. That sounds about right to me, but uh, you, you are the expert here. Um, there are uh, several other guys to talk about. Um, I will candidly say that I know nothing about any of them, but. <laughs> You do, uh, and some of these, uh, you know, some of the guys that we trust around uh, around baseball know some of these guys as well. Uh, the top, you know, few names here: a shortstop named Unier Severino from Dominican Republic, that the Braves gave uh, almost two million dollars to as a switch hitter, uh, top twenty-ish prospect on uh, some of the rating systems in terms of international prospects. A catcher named uh, Abraham Abraham Gutierrez from Venezuela, who's another top twenty prospect, who the Braves gave three and a half million dollars to, which is a hefty sum. Um, those are the kind of the two guys that I've seen as the highest rated guys on the list. Uh, is that kind of consistent with what you think about these guys too? Uh, I the, the other than other than other than Kevin, the guy I'm most excited about is is Severino um, because, admittedly, we only have limited information on these guys, um, and Pipeline was kind of the first ones to kind of roll out their information, and they were like. He was in their teens, early twenties type ranks. Uh, you know, can play. Uh, you know, he could be a shortstop, could be a third baseman. Uh, Baseball America is much higher on him. And reading their reports of this is a guy, kind of in that Ronald Acuna, like has like really good bat speed and has a, a swing that's geared for power. He might not be big enough to tap into it yet, but like let him get a little bit older and a little bit stronger, and good things are going to happen. Uh, He's the guy that I'm like the most excited about. I don't think he ends up as a shortstop. I think it's more likely that he ends up as like a third baseman, which you know, now that with you know Kevin Maton, I mean, there's no shortage of guys who can take those slots now. But we, that 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 can all get sorted out after the fact. But I mean, this is a guy who can who can hit 
can who should be able to hit for some power. Um, again, a little hesitant to talk about you know whether or not they will or not for kids who were born in like 1999 and 2000. But oh my gosh, we're old. Yeah, I know, right? Um, uh, Abraham Gutierrez, uh, he was the, the the second big money contract that the Braves handed out. His shine had had come off somewhat because he hadn't performed. He hadn't progressed and performed as well. Uh, as he got older, as some teams had hoped, or some pundits anyway had hoped, but the Braves seemed very, very high on him. So it's just possible that like the agreement was made, and he just stopped, you know, in showcases and stuff. If you have your deal in place, you know, he maybe he just didn't care as much, uh, and it was just kind of going through the motions in those. But they seem to like him a lot. Defensive minded catcher should hit for line drive power. Don't expect like you know twenty, thirty home runs from him, uh, but you know he should hit pretty well, and his uh, defensive. You know, has some really good defensive skills. Has a experience play calling in like kind of those big showcase games and doing well. Um, Bring me all the catchers, by the way. I'm all I'm all about getting a ton of catching options in the system just because the Braves have had very little for so long. Obviously, they added Cumberland in the draft, uh, who might not be able to stick a catcher, uh, but just in, infusing some bodies at that position is probably a good thing. Oh, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, at the system we got you know John, in the system now we have Jonathan Morales, Lucas Herbert. Uh, we got Brent Cumberland, and uh, who's been doing okay uh, in Danville. Uh, now we have Gutierrez. Um, I don't think they picked up any. Uh, they picked up a couple small money catchers. Uh, Adrian Adrian Zana, and then Victor De Hoyos. They're both like kind of smaller money free uh, international free agent deals uh, on that first the first couple days of the uh, signing period. Uh, I don't know much about those guys. Uh, there's not a lot of information out there about them, but. You know, I think the Braves are just kind of like making sure that they're casting a pretty wide net and making sure that they are getting talent and positions where they need it. And catcher seems to be one they're per, you know prioritizing because if they didn't pick a pick a shortstop type prospect, uh, they really went after catchers this year. Uh, anybody, any any other prospect that the Braves uh, came to agreement with that you uh, have sized up considerably other than these top guys who are sort of the higher guys on the list? Anybody else that, that's like a sleeper for you? Um. Yancy Pena hasn't technically signed yet because he's uh, <laughs> it's kind of a weird birthday thing where you have to kind of like wait until you're 16. He's not quite 16 yet, but he will be 17 by the right the right cutoff date by September. So he's got to wait for a little bit, but he should sign. Uh, he could be really interesting. Uh, he probably ends up as like a third base prospect. Uh, should hit for some power. Uh, has good hands. It's kind of like a good all around sort of prospect. Um, and uh, Del Rosario has a really good stuff for a righty. Uh, is already throwing hard and can you know spin a good breaking ball. Uh, kind of one of those guys that doesn't really have that third pitch yet and has some really funky action with his delivery. But if he figures it out, he might be taken away from you know only a reliever to possibly being a starter with good stuff. Uh, but like I said, it's hard to like say with a guy like Jeffrey, for example, who has some real delivery problems. I mean, like he's 16 years old. You know, like, what can you teach him? You know what I mean? Yeah, this is sophomore. Yeah, exactly. If you teach him how to, you know, pitch, and you like, by the way, if you just drive a little bit towards the plate or, you know, like, set up on the mound over here as opposed to what you've been doing, all of a sudden he's throwing three miles an hour faster and is unhittable. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. You know, you have to, you have to trust your scouts, and, like, the international guys for the Braves are really, really good. Uh, Gordon Blakely and then, you know, of course, you know, Consulting with Brian Bridges and all those guys, they they, they especially no pitching, but they really they did a really good job with the signing period. Uh, they got position player pro- talent in the system, which is was dire in dire need of. 
just that. Um, and they still picked up a few pitchers, and they got a bunch of guys, which is 100% good to go. We got another mailbag question that ties in with the international uh, signing guys. This is from, uh, this is from t- uh, at TimBossel37. Uh, what grade would you give the Braves on the international signing period? And uh, more importantly, this is for me. This is my, uh, my parenthetical. But um, who, did, who did the Braves uh, – you know, did they do better than the San Diego Padres is essentially the question because the Padres were the other team that were, uh, that were getting uh, rave reviews from, on the market. Uh, who, who's, whose class would you rather have? I'm assuming it's going to be the Braves because of Mayton, but what do you think? Uh, I would prefer to have the Braves, and more importantly, like the Braves spent a bunch of money. <laughs> Keith Law was really funny about this. The Padres just signed anyone and everyone they could get their hands on, and they spent a ton of money doing that. And Keith Law was like, the, the Padres just seemed to give any kid who with a baseball bat and a glove $400,000. Uh, you know, just, they, they signed some top guys, but none of them were thought of as highly as, as Maton was. Uh, the did they get some talent? Sure. They spent a ton of money, and I think that they end up probably wasted it a lot, wasting a lot of it. So I would still pick the Braves class. Um, I, re- I mean, I really like I really like Severino. Uh, I like that they got a guy like Gutierrez, who's supposed like you know, if if not the best catcher in the class, depending on who you talk to, one of the best catchers in the class. They got what they needed. They didn't just spend a bunch of money on on pitchers they don't necessarily need. Um, there's still some Cuban pitchers out there if they really want to, you know, they, if they really want to spend a bunch of money and you know get some more pitching talent, they could. Uh, but the Padres spent a ton of money, um, and they got a bunch of guys in their system now. And that, but I don't think that necessarily that all that money was well spent. Although I do like some of the guys they got. That seems like a good uh, Braves leaning answer to me. Um, I, I think it's important that we note that just how big of a crapshoot this is. Oh uh, yeah, it's. Yeah, just I, I know we're we're, talk, we're talking about this guy with some with some levels of specificity, and especially in your case. But um, even a guy like Mayton, you know, these guys are sixteen. We talked about that a little bit, but uh, you know, we talked about the the MLB draft being much of a crapshoot in that in that, and, you're, and with that, you're dealing with guys who are 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, even and sometimes, and uh, mostly with the international side period, you're talking about sixteen year old kids. So it's one of those things where. Um, this is this is even more of a crapshoot than the MLB draft is ever considered to be, and a lot of times you're dealing with as much money or even more money uh, with, with these guys. So it's uh, the the fruits of this labor are not going to be uh, coming for a few years now. But it's it's nice to have uh, a ton of money in, uh, available, which the Braves have had in the re- in recent time, and uh, using it uh, wisely is definitely good as well. Yeah, they, they they spent the money where they wanted to spend it, and it was nice that the it, there's a lot of fans who. Are very skeptical that the Braves are ever going to spend money while they're owned by Liberty Media, and it was kind of nice to be like, no, seriously, there's money being spent on the club. This is just how we're spending it, because ultimately, like in regular free agency, that money would not go very far at all. Yeah, that, this is especially that, 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 that buys you two years of BJ Upton on this market, right? <laughs> yeah, and especially this year when the payroll is relatively low, because I think the team, the team, you know, whether they want to admit it or not, knew they weren't, they knew they were not going to compete for a title in 2016. So the payroll is relatively low compared to where we think it will be uh, in the coming years. So to use a little bit more money and other spots during, while the payroll is low is encouraging. Just to not see that money pocketed by the ownership, but to kind of infuse it back into player personnel uh, is encouraging for people like, like me who have been skeptical that Liberty Me is ever going to really pay up. This is a good way of doing it uh, in a more cost-effective manner. Um, before we, uh, before I let you go, Eric, there's a couple more mailbag questions we want to get to that are uh, non-international uh, signing period stuff. 
Um, one of them is a more comical one from at Freeze Fifty Five that says, "How would you suggest the Braves go about petitioning Major League Baseball so that they so, so that the team only plays against the Marlins for the rest of the season?" <laughs> uh, the Marlins got the Braves back tonight. We should we should announce that now. The uh, the Marlins won on Sunday yep. night. So five to two, scored two in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, they tried. The Braves got on the board, um, but that ends up with, with with a serious split. But yeah, the point the overall the overall point stands that the Braves have kind of owned the Marlins, uh, and it's it's kind of bizarre considering the Marlins have considerable talent and were they're you and, know, and, trying and, to win. And, when, and whenever they're not playing with the Braves, they're always threatening for a wild card spot. And then like the Braves just like. Destroy those hopes and dreams. It's it's hysterically funny to me. I love this stuff um, about baseball. It's just the, the the matchups where you know the bad teams kind of beat up on the good teams, and some just it's all no, it, it's all sort of random. But it's the way that plays out. It's always intriguing to me. And yesterday was the perfect example. We have Lucas Harrell, a 31 year old who hasn't pitched in the majors in like four years, playing his first game of the season against Jose Fernandez, probably my favorite non Braves player, and he's awesome, and he's almost unhittable. Except when he pitches against the Braves, <laughs> it was and, a bloodbath. Man. And, and like the Braves put nine runs on him, and I—I I don't—I didn't even know what to say. I was just like, "Yeah, I guess that's a thing that happened." Uh, Jose Fernandez, uh, arguably a top ten pitcher in baseball, that might even be low uh, yeah. against you know arguably the worst offense in baseball, and he gets lit up while Lucas Harrell cruises through seven, six innings of one hit, of one run ball. Yep. Uh, hashtag can't predict can't predict ball, of course. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's just a perfect example of you know the way that things can play out where the Braves own the Marlins, and uh, even a serious split kind of feels like the Braves own the Marlins with the way things have gone this year. Um, aside, we'll move off from that now, and uh, one more question from uh, at Hammond Swiss: uh, Barring injuries, do Williams Perez and or Manny Benuelos have a realistic shot at being in the long-term Braves rotation? Uh, I know what I think about this, but I'll ask you first. Yeah, I don't really see them being a part of the rotation in the future for different reasons. Um, Manny's been really slow to come back from injury. You know, he had a setback with the bone spurs in his elbow, and now he's slow to come back this year. He hasn't looked at the same pitcher, you know, especially since before he had Tommy John, but, you know, just doesn't have a lot of velocity. He was a fine pitcher whenever he was with Atlanta, but he just I just don't think he's going to stay healthy enough. To be in the rotation, maybe he ends up as a bullpen guy. Uh, that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world for me. Like kind of like that long relief type role. Um, Williams Perez, I want to believe in the junk balling. I do not, but <laughs> but I, I just I he there is no pitcher on the face of this earth that sleeps with the angels more than Williams Perez. Those first couple starts, he kind of came back. He actually looked like a good pitcher, and like the peripherals weren't, you know, weren't that bad. So if he can come back and like kind of pitch, where he's, you know, those peripheral stats where it's just not like he's not like, you know, putting the bases loaded with no outs and somehow getting out of it every other inning. If he could do that again, I would. I would don't think very much of it. But if he can come back and you know limit base runners, then you know th- those are both guys who. Have maybe have futures in the majors. I just don't know exactly what they are, but I don't think it's in the Braves rotation. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Ben Willis, the ceiling is obviously a lot higher. So if he if, if he suddenly had a clean bill of health, you could talk me into it. Uh, Perez, just the stuff is not there. I mean, for instance, this season in 48 and two thirds innings, he's striking out 4.25 batters per nine, which is like horrifically low. 
Um, and Pretty low. If, if you if, if you do that, you you basically have to be the greatest control pitcher that's ever lived, and he's not that. No. So it's one of those things where, you know, the four the four point six two ERA isn't the worst thing you'll ever see. Like that's you know there are guys in baseball who are going to have who are going to routinely have ERAs worse than that. So it's not like Williams Perez is the worst pitcher alive, but for, for in, a, in, a, or in an organization that has this much talent right now. That's- and that's just it. There's so many young yeah. guys in the pipeline. Why are you going to try to give Williams Perez a slot long term? Well, he's 25. Like it's, it's not. He's not that old. But at the same time, like there's no even in the minor there's, leagues. The, like the there's not much not upside there. to it. Yeah. yeah, there's not much upside to him. I mean, you know, kind of the three to four ERA guy is kind of what the best you could hope for with him. And he that might have a spot for a lot of teams. You know what I mean? But with this club that has all this talent coming through, I just don't. I just don't see it. I honestly don't even think he's a fifth starter. Like even in most like most most spots, and I'm probably lower than most people are on Williams Perez. Like maybe maybe I'm underselling him a little bit there, but in this organization, I definitely don't see it. So it's one of those things. Uh, Manny Manuelos, you could talk me into it, but Perez, I, I don't I don't really see it happening. Even though we've been accused of being negative, and that's that's negative, but that's I just I can't talk my way into it. Uh, last one from uh, at, flan- at flatulent pug. Uh, do you think Brian Snicker's job is safe enough for him to emphasize player development over wins? Um, this is a, an interesting premise in that Brian Snicker's job is not safe at all because he's the interim manager. But um, is it? I guess the better question is what what would you rather him do here? I think the answer is pretty obvious. But when it comes to him potentially trying to uh, interview on the job for to have the full time job. Is it better for him to kind of play for wins or to look for the young guys or what, what should Sicker's approach be and how's he doing? I, I think he's been doing fine. I think his bullpen management's a little sketchy at times, but you know, I also don't think he's doing anything different than like eighty percent of managers and the majors are doing right now. Anyway, um, I don't know. I, don't, I don't, in terms of like player development, I mean, like he's not the one calling guys up from Double A AA or Triple A. Uh, those roster decisions, I mean, I'm sure he has some input, but like ultimately, that kind of comes down to like options and a lot of other stuff. So, I think he would happily play Malik Smith right now if Malik Smith hadn't hurt his thumb. I, I think he'd be playing, you know, some of these guys that we enjoy watching play if they were, you know, healthy. So I'm not really sure exactly what the premise is. Is like, what would he be doing differently other than maybe not running Jeff Francoeur out there? Um, and you know, it's one of those things where player development isn't as simple as just giving young guys playing time. Uh, sometimes it's best to let Eric Ibar, for example, turn things around. So he actually has trade value so you can get him off the team altogether and then have, you know, room for an Albie Swanson type infield to come up. But it's not, it's, I don't think it's as simple as just, you know, he just needs to play these young guys who are just rotting on the bench because those guys aren't really there right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Snickers done an incredible job by any means. The results were so much better, but at the same time, I don't really give him a ton of credit for that. But um, he's been fine, aside from the bullpen stuff, which kind of drives me nuts. A lot of or a lot of Aroyas Piscaino for no apparent reason. Uh, he's awesome, uh, but I think Snickers probably overusing him right now because yeah. you know he's your best reliever, and if you're you're a guy um, who's trying to win games to potentially win a job. Down the line, it's kind of a natural instinct to use your best reliever uh, too much. So I, I get it. I just don't think uh, I don't think Snickers shown me a ton um, as far as like giving me a lot of reason to hope for him to be the long term manager. Uh, I, I'd love to see the Braves open the search up at the end of the year and make you know cast a wide net, not necessarily just with 
quote unquote Braves guys because I, I don't think this organization has been too great at uh, producing these uh, these tactical uh, geniuses on the, on the bench. But at the same time, like Snicker is fine. Like there's stuff that's driving this driving me crazy. But again, this is a team that's twenty eight fifty four. And we're, we don't know a ton about Snickers' philosophy because, you know, he came in the middle of the season. He hasn't had the grilling that a normal full-time manager sort of gets uh, when it comes to, like, how he, you know, how, he, how he constructs lineups, how he uses his bullpen, and the things that we see and the things that we don't see. So I don't, I don't hate the job he's doing by any means, but I think you're right. There's not a lot differently that he could be doing as far as, like, player personnel and that kind of stuff. Nope. Um, Eric, I'm going to let you go, but before I do, anything that we uh, should be plugging as far as uh, your dom- your domain with the minor leaguers and the prospects and anything that we're doing on with Talking Chop? Uh, we'll have a prospect list, uh, top 25 list. It should be coming out uh, around the All-Star break um, for the Major League Club anyway. Which is close, by the way. All-Star yeah, it's, it's like sne- 10 yeah, days it's away sne- or whatever. Yeah, it's sneaking up on us. Um, we've kind of got a, we got a, a, a rough list put together. Uh you know, Garrett and Garov keep changing their lists basically every day, which is hysterically funny to me. But, um, <laughs> that it, it, it really is. Uh, but it's been a lot of fun. Um, this year, you know, last year it was just Garrett and I uh, basically yelling at each other until we figured out we had a top 25. Um, this year it's like we're kind of doing this composite list, and we, you know, we have Matt and Garov now, and we're all kind of having these. It's, it's funny, all of us giving our, putting our lists and putting them on, and they're all very close, but there's like these slight, like these slight tweaks here and there, so it's kind of uh, having a composite list. It actually, we get this list. We're like, yeah, that's kind of something that we're happy about. Um, and uh, other than that, I mean, things should be settling down before too long. I mean, the trade deadline will be here before we know it. It seems like, but other than that, I mean, you know, look for that prospect list around the All Star break. Um, and you know, basically, you know, read the minor league recaps every day. Uh, today is not the best day to to be super excited about that, but uh, you know, we cover the minor leagues every day. Uh, we recap every minor league game, and uh, it really gives you a chance to keep up with what's going on in the minor leagues right now, uh, as well as what's going on in the Braves. Just a talking chop in general. Uh, the whole staff does a great job of just making keeping everyone up to date as to what's going on. Yeah, you won't find uh, more in depth coverage of the minor leagues anywhere um, than you will at Talking Chop. So. Uh... Please uh, subscribe to this podcast. Leave us a nice review if you are so inclined to do so. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at BT Roll. You can follow Eric at Leprechaun. You can follow the site at Talking Chop. And please visit TalkingChop.com. Stay tuned for next week's episode, and we'll be back next week.